With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody? Matt Kajeski here, back again with the Odd Shopper channel. Today, we're talking some college basketball bets. It's Wednesday, February the 14th. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when this and all other content goes live. We are also brought to you by BetMGM. Limited time offer for those of you in legal states with the exception of New York, Puerto Rico, and Nevada. What you'll do is click the link in the video description below. Make your first deposit of up to $5. Turn that around, $5 wager on any team, total, market, whatever it is you prefer. You will get $150 guaranteed in the form of bonus bets. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. You must be 21 or older to play in most areas. All right, let's circle back to yesterday quickly before we move into this fine Wednesday slate of games. Awfully nice of the NCAA to give us some fun matchups on Valentine's Day. But pushing money around the last couple days after finishing last week solid, we went 5-5 five and five total. Those extra games I talked about at the end, I did end up adding and didn't really matter. As far as the wins go, Marquette looked awesome against Butler on their road trip. They'll move to UConn this weekend on Saturday in a pair of games against UConn this year that will make or break the Big East. These are the top two teams, but they outlasted a Butler team that looked very good themselves. So nice showing from Marquette. They cover the spread on the road, whether you got that early or late. From there, had a nice under in the Buffalo-Northern Illinois game. Those players we expected out for Northern Illinois were, in fact, out. Iowa State. Really ugly game. Iowa State missed their first 16 threes, and they still were able to beat Cincinnati. That defense is just stifling. And when they hit their threes, it's going to be a nightmare for opposing teams that face Iowa State. That was on the road. LSU covers against Florida. That was another solid one. A lot of the totals I bet yesterday did not hit was on some unders. And again, the only one of those that came in was Buffalo NIU. And then we had a greasy Tennessee State. They did not get the cover. I did not catch much of that game, so I won't lie to you there. And then Ole Miss, Kentucky, I believe Ole Miss lost by 12, 13, something in there. Just inefficient play against a really bad Kentucky defense. Seeing Ole Miss score in the 60s should be a concern for them moving forward. They do not quite have the resume where they're locked into the tournament, so they can't really afford to take some of those L's. As far as SEC teams go, they're closer to the bubble than some of the other ones. But let's spin this forward. Fun slate tonight. Some premier conferences and some Greece as usual. We'll kick things off in the SEC. South Carolina takes on Auburn. This is a game where I like a road team. I don't think we're getting enough respect with South Carolina in this spot. Auburn's been a tricky point for me all season. We you know, backed Bama against Auburn. They get a resounding win. We backed Auburn against Florida over the weekend. They got embarrassed. And now they're playing South Carolina. And I think a lot of the number you see on the screen, the 11 and a half that favors Auburn, comes down to the strength of schedule. South Carolina's 108th. Auburn is 57th. But we've talked about this at length now with Auburn. I'm not really sure the strength of schedule is quite as good as some people make it out to be. 
again, I'll just rehash this briefly. They lost to Baylor in their opener. Then their best non-con wins were against Virginia Tech, Indiana, USC. Those teams are awful. Within conference play, they've beaten Texas A&M. That's solid. Beat LSU once. Ole Miss now. And Alabama. The back half of their schedule features the best teams in this conference. Tennessee, Kentucky. These are like back-loaded games. And now they face South Carolina here. Meanwhile, the South Carolina schedule, yeah, it's not great either, but I don't think we can really give significant advantages Auburn's direction. This South Carolina team beat Virginia Tech in the non-con. Then they had Notre Dame, a close loss to Clemson. That was by five points. And they did beat a solid G mid-major team in Grand Canyon, which I think we should at least know. But within the SEC, this team has actually played well. Their schedule's not backloaded. They've already beaten... Kentucky, Tennessee, and Ole Miss within the last month. I mean, this is a pretty good schedule that this team has been able to withstand, and they're at the top of the SEC right now for a good reason. So when we're talking points, I do think it's too much to get into the stylistics. Both these teams are pretty good everywhere. Auburn, they're going to run that 12-man rotation. They're excellent inside. That's not always where South Carolina scores anyway. This team shoots a lot of threes. They're 41st in three-point percentage. And they are pretty good with a lot of the ancillary metrics too. You know, Auburn lives through turnovers. They're 67th there generating them. South Carolina's in the top 100 in turnovers committed. That's not really a problem for them. And this Auburn team, I still have a lot of questions. They're awesome inside, which an I broom and Jalen Williams. But South Carolina is also very strong inside. That's the strength of their defense, especially getting their freshman Colin Murray Bowles going along with B.J. Mack and some of the players they have on the inside. That's no longer the matchup. I think that people initially thought in the year where South Carolina could be exploited, and mainly that's just because they're getting awesome minutes out of those contributors. Like Colin Murray Boyles, they're 6'7 freshman. This kid is a wagon, and this team's also healthier. They got back Miles Studi recently, 6'6 winger for them, shooting 40% from three. Talon Cooper's been a revelation, the transfer, 46% three-point shooter. And that's allowed them to play Michi Johnson in more of a facilitator role. And he's been 30, 31 minutes a game. It's it's not a huge role for Michi Johnson. I mean, it's a good role. But at the beginning of the year, I thought they were going to rely on him for like 37 minutes a game. And they don't have to do that. The depth here is pretty good for South Carolina. So ultimately, I do think Auburn wins this game. Not really buying South Carolina upset stuff on the road. But I do think 11 and a half points is pretty egregious for a team that's proven themselves near the top of the SEC. Moving to the Big Ten, the bane of my existence alongside Auburn. Iowa takes on Maryland. I like another road team here. I promise I'm not backing all road teams. There's plenty of home teams later in the show. But these teams are basically polar opposites. Iowa 20th on offense, Maryland 218. It's the exact opposite on defense. Iowa 171 on defense, Maryland 7 Maryland just can't score. If they could get anything out of their players on offense, this might be a different story, and I think they'd run away with this. But they're 314th in effective field goal percentage. I don't even know if that is – if Iowa's defense is bad enough for Maryland to shine in this matchup. I mean, this this team is horrible on offense. 263 inside, 337 from three. You're telling me there's only 25 teams worse in the country shooting threes than Maryland? That is horrifically bad. And how this team wins a lot of the time is just their defense causing turnovers, 54th in turnovers generated. Iowa is extremely disciplined with the ball, only eighth in turnovers committed this year. 
I was also rarely in foul trouble. It's basically just Freeman who struggles with this. The rest of their roster is fine. As a team, they're 54th in fouls committed. That's another way Maryland succeeds. They get teams to foul, and then Maryland gets to the line. For what it's worth, they're not the best free throw shooting team either, 210th. It's just another piece of evidence towards this bad shooting and offensive team that Maryland is. But can Iowa score on the Maryland defense, I think, is the big question. Where could they possibly have success? Maryland's best asset on D is the inside. They're eighth defending there. But they're outside the top 100 at shooting threes. Iowa's not bad at shooting threes. They've gotten really good play out of Josh Dix recently, which is another thing I did not see heading into the year. But as far as Josh Dix goes in the three-point shooting, he's at 46% from three. Peyton Sanford, who's giving them awesome minutes, is at 38%. If these two players can basically just keep Iowa alive from three, you have a really good chance of actually coming out and scoring on this Maryland defense. And from there, you do have pretty significant size advantages, Iowa's direction too. So this Maryland team inside, yeah, they're great. They're 154th in effective height. And rebounding-wise, they kind of just win through effort. When I look at the player personnel for Maryland, I think they might be at a disadvantage here. You're basically relying on Julian Reese and Dante Scott. Jordan Geronimo's been hurt, so I'm not sure if he'll even be back. But Reese is 6'9", Dante Scott is 6'8", and they're awesome, but Owen Freeman's 6'10", Ben Crickey's 6'9". You have Pat McCaffrey at 6'9". I mean, Peyton Sanford, 6'7". It's not just the front court that's tall for Iowa. This is a big roster across the board. They use Tony Perkins at the point guard. He's 6'4". You have size advantages all over the court for Iowa. So I kind of am not buying this potential advantage Maryland's direction on the interior as far as defense goes. I was very good on offense in that area. They're 51st in interior scoring, and I think they'll have enough success to keep this within the five here. Pretty close to efficient, but I still think enough where we can take a position on the Hawkeyes. We'll go to a total in the Pac-12. Oregon State takes on Arizona State. This game is as greasy as it comes. Both these, This conference as a whole is just pretty bad, and neither of these teams are any good. Pacing in this game should be the main crux of the handicap. Oregon State is 309th in pace. That should slow down an Arizona team who's fairly fast. They're 78th, but the biggest thing here, I think, is that both teams have slowed within conference play. So you see Arizona State drop from 78th to 102nd. Oregon State's even dropped, and they don't have much room to drop any further. They're down to 319th in adjusted tempo over the last six weeks. Neither team can shoot. Oregon State, 239 effective field goal percentage. Arizona State, 283. Some other stylistic stuff that could maybe halt some opportunities on offense. Arizona State plays this press, pressure defense, 47th in turnovers, forced. Oregon State is 283 in turnovers committed. That could lead to some possessions down the floor that end up being hollow. Pretty rough game here overall. And when games are ugly like this and you get decent totals like 137, where pacing doesn't line up, you can just count me in for an under. Sticking out west, but going to the Superior Conference, we'll talk Utah State versus Wyoming. Looking at another total here. This one's a little healthier, but I think it's another under we could potentially take a look at pacing in this game I think also could be a little bit of an issue when you look at both teams you have one team playing fast that's Utah State and then Wyoming below average at 212th in terms of pace and I don't think this is getting better for either team really Wyoming has dropped to 258 they've struggled with some injuries 
not to like main contributors, but when you have to narrow your rotation, kind of behooves you to play slower so these guys can get a little bit extra rest and not just be sprinting up and down the court. If this goes over, Utah State's going to have to do most of the work. You can see the efficiency metrics. They're 45th in offense. Wyoming's defense is 233, so not really anticipating any trouble for them scoring. A lot of the ancillary stuff, Wyoming does play with pretty solid height. For whatever reason, they're still pretty bad on the inside, 323. But, I mean, 43rd in effective height, that matches up pretty well with Utah State if they can ever find a pulse with some of these players. And then I just don't know how Wyoming scores. 140th in offensive efficiency is not terrible, but Utah State is excellent on defense. And Utah State's primary defensive strength is defending the perimeter in the three. They're ninth in the country at opposing three-point percentage. That's all Wyoming does well. They're 76th in three-point percentage. So you have this Utah State neutralizing the only thing Wyoming does well on offense. This team is terrible inside, 249 on offense from the interior. They don't even exploit this potential weakness on Utah State's defense. So I think this is one. this one's pretty clear-cut. Wyoming... I don't anticipate them having much success. And if Utah State can't get this to like 80, 85 points themselves, I see this going under pretty clearly. Let's turn to the greasy section of our program. But I want to talk about Odd Shopper in relation to this game. I think Murray State minus three is where you want to look. But search for the best lines here. Two and a halves are not available to me, but I think you can find them in legal states. I, of course, infamously... And against my better judgment, live in the illegal state of Wisconsin. Odd Chopper, you can head to the link below, take a look at this. It allows you to sort by state, find the best odds in your state, whatever books you want, very customizable. And this helps you save money. I mean, the difference between a two and a half and a three in college basketball is huge. This can make the difference in your season at times if you're having a little bit of a rough season or it's close. But there's other tools involved at Odd Chopper. We have a market-based approach which is going to give you plus EV bets across sports. It's not just college basketball. And we've consolidated all our offerings into one package, which includes our Discord. Experts are in there. Taking advantage of these tools and giving you the plus EV spots, plus the analysis that you might be craving in addition to just the tools. $14.95 for a week, $49.95 for a month. No long-term commitments. One of my favorite tools, and I think you will like it. So check it out at the very least for a week. Otherwise, let's get back to this game. Murray State, Missouri State. So interesting contest here. And I the reason I bring up odd choppers, I think this one's pretty close. So the, the line does matter. Overall, this team, let's start with Missouri State. They're pretty decent, especially on defense. They have an edge there. It's slight. And then Murray State holds the edge on offense. But both these teams are pretty close and effective field goal, 218 to 201. Where you see these teams succeed, primarily on the inside for Murray State, which is interesting because they do seed a lot of height. They're 326 there. Or excuse me, Murray State is 326. Missouri State is 172. And that shows up in rebounding. Missouri State 36, Murray State 237. But with Murray State, you did have Alden Applewhite injured for a lot of this year. He's back now. And I think that's pretty important to this team. If you just look at EvanMia.com, Donovan Clay's the only player in the top 30 for Missouri State. He's 16. Murray State has Jacoby Wood and Alden Applewhite at 17 and 24, giving you two top 30 players. And I think an overall better basis for this talent roster. And especially with Applewhite, 
this is one of the better players for this team. He's a player with size at 6'7". So that sort of helps neutralize the potential size advantage on the Missouri State side. And this team is pretty good at shooting threes. You have Jacoby Wood, that player I mentioned, who's statistically the best option on the team. He's at 42% from three. Quincy Anderson's at 38%. You look at the shooting on the other side for Missouri State, this is a place where they really struggle. They don't have anybody on the entire team shooting over 36% from three. So even with a potential defensive weakness on this Murray State side, it's not really too severe in comparison. And then the offensive struggles for Missouri State, I think, are going to be enough where you can see Murray cover this spread. I'm now realizing Missouri State and Murray State pretty damn close in pronunciation. So apologies there. Last thing, Murray State forces a lot of turnovers. They're 81st. Missouri State 170th in turnovers committed. That could be another potential edge that works Murray State's direction as they cover a three and a half in this spot. Or a three, whatever you find. All right, next up, St. Joe's takes on Loyola. And this is one where I am back in a road team in St. Joe's. Plus four and a half is the number I want to get. I'm buying... Low on St. Joe's and selling high on Loyola, just to put this simply. I think there's a lot of advantages St. Joe's direction, even though they're on the road. Two teams that are also polar opposites. St. Joe's 69 on offense, 142 on D. Loyola 172 on O, 39 on D. But effective field goal, St. Joe's 36, Loyola 80. We have the better shooting team in St. Joe's. We have the taller team. They're 133 to 272 in effective height. Rebounding's identical, but I think that's just more of an effort thing. And it also gets Loyola in foul trouble quite a bit. They're 325th in fouls committed. They're they're in foul trouble all of the time. But there's a major weakness for Loyola's defense, even though they're 39th overall. This team is awesome at defending the rim. They force you to shoot over the top. Second in interior defense, 289th in three-point defense. What does St. Joe's do best? This team is full of snipers from three. 15th in three-point rate. 30th in three-point percentage. That's exactly what this team does. If you're drawing up a stylistic matchup to beat Loyola, this is the team you want to look at. It's St. Joe's the way they're comprised and just full of flamethrowers. Eric Reynolds, 41%. Xavier Brown, 43%. Christ Essencondo, Doko, 41%. Cameron Brown, 40%. That's four players over 40% from three that are going up against this weak Three-point defense from Loyola Chicago. Then on the other side, Loyola is pretty good themselves. They win inside. That's also a problem because that's the strength of St. Joe's defense. Again, we mentioned the height advantage they have there. This Loyola team is decent at shooting threes, but they're not up to the same level as St. Joe's, obviously. When you win inside and you're facing that interior strength of St. Joe's, it's just not the best stylistic matchup. For Loyola. So I think getting points here at four and a half makes a lot of sense with St. Joe's. Last one we'll talk about UMass takes on Richmond, and we'll be back in the home team here. Richmond's kind of been a little wagon for us throughout the year now that they're fully healthy, getting Delani Hunt back. UMass is a pretty good team themselves. They also dealt with a key injury. Matt Cross has been out for this team for much of the year, but I'm not sure his return is enough for this team. Matt Cross is awesome. He's one of the best players in this entire conference, but he plays in the front court. Richmond 
they play solid defense. They're 21st overall. They're 36th at defending the interior. And they're actually 20th at defending the perimeter. This team has awesome size. They're 53rd in effective height. That works directly against the strength of UMass, which in my opinion is basically just whatever Matt Cross can do to you. And then this Richmond team is pretty good shooting themselves. 73rd in effective field goal. Compared to UMass, they're 140. They score inside and out. And the biggest advantage they have is against this UMass guard play. Richmond, 50th in three-point percentage. UMass is 258 at defending the perimeter. And Richmond can score inside. They, they're definitely fine there. That's just where UMass is strong on D. So I think if you're trying to exploit matchups, you probably just look to the perimeter. Again, UMass 258 and three-point D. And this rebounding stuff, I do not buy it. Richmond's been hurt for much of the year. But 44 versus 304, like the effective height numbers don't really add up here. 53 versus 169. And of course, this is pace adjusted. So I'm just not buying that the gap is quite as high here. And I think part of the reason is Richmond's style of play, they just do not attack the offensive glass, whereas that's basically all UMass does. UMass is 10th in offensive rebounding. Richmond's 362. So just prioritizing getting back on D, not attacking the glass. And then... That 10th offensive rebounding mark for UMass, they get in a ton of fouls, offensive fouls over the backs. This team is 307th in fouls committed. Richmond's the exact opposite, 16th in fouls committed. So if you get into the potential free throw battle here, Richmond's 80th in free throw percentage. UMass is 281. Richmond far more likely to be at the line than UMass in this contest. So we'll back the team that I don't think is appropriately priced because of injuries throughout the year. Richmond over UMass minus three and a half. That'll do it for us today. Thank you guys for watching. If you have a comment, please leave it below. It helps the channel a ton, and I appreciate it very much. Just want to say that to you. If you have any questions, I'm on Twitter, at Matt underscore Gajeski, and happy to answer them. My DMs are open. Until tomorrow, good luck, everyone. We'll see you then.